Hello, and welcome to All the Way Down. This is a special episode. This is episode 10. We have made it to episode 10. I am Invictus And as Knox. a celebration of episode 10, we're not going to talk about retro shit at all. No, not at all. <laughs> it's going to be the, probably the newest releases we've ever tackled. And we're going to work to put this out so you guys get it as soon as you can. Um, as I said, I'm Invictus Knox. This is Dash Retro. That's me. That's him. Uh, what's the first thing you want to talk about? I, I, it's weird because I'm kind of more interested to talk about what you're going to talk about, but I don't know your level of interest in my subject. Um, uh, I, I'm good on on both of them. So, I mean, how how itching are you? I'm not super itching. I'd like to hear about Returnal first. All right. Yeah. So I've been playing Returnal on PS5, and it's it's. It's weird. Uh, like it's it's weird to to talk about. Let me just say up front. Overall, I think I really like it, uh, like a bunch. Um, but there's like some big caveats to it. So uh, so before that, before that, it's it's yeah. a sci-fi thing, right? Yeah. So super base level. What the hell is Returnal? It is a sci-fi horror shooter, right? So by sci-fi horror, I mean it's got very much the vibes of like Alien, uh, where you know you're on a, a alien planet and the aliens are hostile and scary and they're real like H.R. Geigery or kind of little Lovecrafty. Um, and I know whenever people hear like people like oh it's got tentacles it must be either hentai or lovecraft right <laughs> no, no, no like i'm i'm not just saying it cuz of tentacles it's like cosmic horror psychological horror kind of stuff you know what i mean um so it's got a little bit of that going on but uh, as far as the gameplay of it goes it is a roguelike over the shoulder shooter um well like, it just thir- like third, third person, person? yeah okay yeah uh so yeah so it's a roguelike third-person shooter um the the roguelike elements though let's get into that later you can ignore it for now uh so it like it's a game where the movement feels super good so it's third person the like one of the first things i noticed about it that i really like is your character's movement speed is like real good like you you move and the jumping feels great and you've got a dash and you know, you just move, and and um, it it kind of looks a little bit like Metroid Prime in a way, where it's like you're in a room and there's gonna be like there's a few doors. You know, you fight the things that are in the room, and then there's like some doors, right? And when you run up to the door, it opens like a Metroid Prime door, and then there's the next room. You know what I mean? So that kind of lends to then the fact that it's kind of a roguelike, where each time that you play it. It, uh, it, it, um, randomizes the rooms and the layout of them. You know what I mean? So, like, there, you know, there, there's, like, a bunch of different types of rooms, like, shapes of rooms, you know? And, uh, and it randomly assembles them into a level, and you, you go through it room by room, fighting all the dudes, shooting the guns at them, and, uh, yeah. So you said it was like Metroid Prime. I've actually never played Metroid Prime, but I kind of have seen what you're talking about where it's kind of like a room-by-room basis. It's almost like if you were to take, um, what's the, what's the shit called? Well, I guess any older Zelda game, right? And then kind of made it into like a shooter game. 
but Metroid yeah. Prime was first person shooter, right? Yeah, Metroid Prime was first person. I kind of mean in the general aesthetic, though, of like, uh, first of all, uh, of it just being like an alien planet, right? Uh, but then also the just the fact that you're you're in a room. There's like some platforming elements to the room. There's going to be enemies in it, and then there's a certain number of doors that are the exits, you know. Uh, and then when you're done with the room, you go through one of the doors, right? So yeah couple things about it first of all that i really really like is i mentioned the movement speed feels good the shooting also just feels really good graphically it's really good like the the alien designs are really sweet and i guess the other like really big important thing to know about it is that it's uh, as far as like how it looks and plays is it is extremely video gamey <laughs> as in like like arcadey um, or yeah, like the the enemies shoot projectiles at you and the projectiles that they shoot are generally like big glowing balls, you know? Uh and it's almost like bullet helly at certain times where um you know in bullet hells where where uh well, first of all, just that sometimes there's a lot of projectiles, you know? Sometimes there's shock waves that come out that you gotta jump over or dash through. Sometimes enemies shoot big bullet sprays at you that, and bullets are like big, colorful orbs, you know? Um, and then sometimes, and this is, this is really like the Toho-y kind of stuff, is where the bullet patterns that they're shooting kind of look cooler than are difficult to dodge, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, you see them them shooting out this bullet pattern, and you're just like, whoa, that pattern just looks really sweet. More like a firework you know? display than an actual yeah. a, a display of national defense. Yeah, so the game's <laughs> got a really unique look to it, where it's this, it's this like, horror, sci-fi uh, shooter look, you know, where you've got a lot of particle effects and things are colorful and all that. But then, yeah, the enemy's attacks have, like, big video game presentation to them uh which i think looks really cool and it's just nice because you know you got to be able to recognize what the dudes are doing uh very quickly because another thing about this game is it is fucking difficult like um the the it's just it's super brutal and unforgiving as far as like when you take damage and and that kind of thing um, so would you say it's, it's the Dark Souls of sci-fi shooters? I mean, I haven't played very many sci-fi shooters, but uh, it's it's tough. I would not say it's the Dark Souls, uh, though. It's kind of the opposite because it's a roguelike. It's not like, oh, this guy is super hard and I died and now I get to try again. No, you got to start the fuck over when you die. Well, okay, so well, that I'm struggling to get context a little bit here. So it's a horror sci-fi, um, but... If you could, without without like it, you know, you know, uh, spoiling it, could you explain the plot or at least the setting a little bit? Yeah. So it starts out where you crash land on the planet, and uh, why are you on the planet? You crash landed on it. Oh, well, I mean, like you're, uh, yeah, you're following like a signal or something. You know, it's kind of a that kind of basic setup. You're. You're following the signal of the white shadow or something, I think is what they said. Uh, and then and then on your way down, you, something happens to the ship and you crash land, right? Um, now, uh, less than a minute on the planet, you're, you find a corpse of yourself is like Ooh. what happens. 
Yeah. Fuck uh, yeah. So it's it, so it starts out like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Um, and then it sort of becomes like it's it, it's got that little bit of of um, the Groundhog Day kind of thing <laughs> where where every time she dies, she comes back and has to try again. Right. And that's part of the story. However, there's a little bit of a twist in it in that it's not necessarily linear. You're finding corpses of yourself that you didn't personally experience. They're from the future, you know? They're like a future you. You're also finding a lot of, uh, like, audio logs that are you from the future. This is where the roguelike part comes in, I guess, because you're you're experiencing universes that you haven't experienced. Yeah, and the idea of, like, dying, having to try again, and the fact that, like, also then then it's like, oh, weird, everything's different now, and, like, it shifts around, and now I have to try again, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so the character is aware of the loop, and that is part of the plot, is that they're in this loop, but also they're finding finding themselves in the future also uh, to add a little bit of... A little bit of time fuck. If you ever played time fuck, it's kind of like oh, that. Oh, that's a thing. I thought you were just saying uh, that. Oh no, it's a it's an old Ed McMillan game where like it's like a it, it's it was on Flash. It's like a, a puzzle two D puzzle platformer, but the whole uh, no, it's like a it's action based. Like mm. you know you you play it with a keyboard. Um, but like that that game is really cool because the the whole time it's room by room right you solve each room's puzzle and then you go to the next room but you've always got this every time you go to a new room or every time you die you from the future is talking to you the whole time and he always says that he's like one room ahead of you it's like you in the next room is Ooh. talking to you now the whole time it's great Ugh. um but yeah it kind of so, gives me those weird vibes of when you were playing Portal and you find that weird side room where you kind of find the person who is not there anymore, but you see like tally marks scratched into the walls behind where you're yeah. supposed to see. It kind of reminds me of that. It's like, fuck, who was that? Why? When were they here? How long ago were they yeah. here? Is that me? <laughs> right, right. And like, exactly. Like it might as well be you because yeah. you can imagine how similar their experience was. Um, so yeah, so like all of that stuff about the game is really positive. You know, the controls are great on the control, uh, uh, subject though. I will say this game begs to be played on a mouse and keyboard. Uh, playing it on a controller is kind of tough because, because of the brutal difficulty. Um, there are enemies that swarm and surround you. And you're supposed to be, like, not only seeing, but also responding to their tells of their attacks very quickly. So if a guy is behind you, there's, like, no way for you to see his telegraph in time, you know? Oh, okay. um, so, like, I, but, like, if you had a mouse to aim with, you could you could be checking your back much more frequently, you know what Super I mean? Super quick. Um, yeah, like, I almost even wish that the game just had, like, a Resident Evil 4 or, like, old-school Resident Evil style just quick-turn button, you know? The whip-around 180-degrees button. Was it the uh, R1 and R2? Or, I'm sorry, L1 and R1? In Resident Evil, it was just, like, hold back and press oh. run or something, and your character just whips around uh, 180 degrees. But, yeah, uh, like, I kind of wish it had that, um, but... Either way, uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit better at it because it's one of those things where I think that um, 
a lot of the discussion about the game right now is about how difficult it is, and I think part of that is uh, just the fact that it's new. I don't think the game is as hard as people are saying it is. It's just that you need to learn the enemies and their mechanics. Uh, partly because of the controls, partly, you know, and, and that kind of thing. It's like, you need to learn to be able to predict all of the enemies. The first time that you see an enemy in this game, it kicks your ass, because you don't know how it behaves, you know? And so, dying is, like, a big part of learning in the game. Steeper than normal um, learning curve from the average game nowadays, then, you'd say. Yeah, right. And especially because the game is framed in a way where it kind of feels like you're being punished more than you are in other games, you know, because of the fact that your run starts over if you die, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that said, um, let's talk about the roguelike element for a minute. Uh, so it's it's different every time. In my opinion, though, ba like, compared to other, some other roguelikes I've played, I'm not the expert, you know, but uh, I, f I don't feel like the runs feel as different as other roguelikes. Uh, most of the rooms feel mostly the same, and you find the same rooms very frequently. Oh. And, like, the enemy variety is good, but it's not, like, amazing, so I'm... It to me the randomization doesn't really matter all that much, and it more just kind of feels like it's a sci-fi shooter that you have to beat without dying. You know, it feels more like that rather than like you know you can't play up the random elements because they're not there as much as other games are. I don't think. Uh, and here here's like an example is like. Uh, let's take The Binding of Isaac, for example, because we haven't heard me talk about that game enough. Um, in that game, you th there are so many like wildly different items that your runs really feel, feel different from each other. And a big part of the reason is that you'll, you'll find uh, combinations of items that synergize in a way that like you weren't necessarily expecting when you got either of them, you know what I mean? So, like, you get one item that does one wacky thing, and you're like, okay, I, that, that's cool, I'm going to use that. And then you get another item that does another wacky thing, and they work really well together, and this is just one possible synergy out of so many, you know, because there's so many items that do so wildly different things. In uh, Returnal, the items are a lot more straightforward. Uh, they don't have very crazy effects. Like, the items that I've gotten so far are things like, first of all, there's stat-ups, but they all gotta have stat-ups. But then there's stuff like, I got an item that was like, when you, there there are items in the game that are like pieces of heart from Zelda, you know, where they you collect a few of them and then you have you more max your health. HP, yeah. yeah, there's like an item that says, now you don't need as many of those to increase your max HP. Mm. Okay, cool. You know, that's great. There's an item that's like, uh, you know, now when you do this certain action, you get healed. Okay, now when you do this certain action, you get more protection. Okay, you know, it's all just a bunch of stuff like that. So you never really find two items that are like, whoa, this is like a, a really crazy synergy, you know? Instead, it's just like, I just got two really good items. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, yeah. so, yeah, so the ra the randomness I don't think is very important in it. 
at least not yet. So what's the other thing that's like, well, I don't, I, I am going to talk about this other thing, but I'm going to, so, so that, yeah, yeah, that's how I feel about the randomness. Also like the weapon variety, you see the same weapons a lot of the time. Like I, um, I feel like this game could use a weapon system more like Borderlands. How is that? I've never actually played that. I'm not a big fan of Borderlands, but, like, that game did a good job of making the different weapons that you find feel really different, at least. And in this game, what it is, is there's, like, ten different weapon types, you know? Which is pretty decent. And then each different... uh, So, yeah, so let's say the rough numbers are, like, there's, like, ten different weapons, and there's, like... 15 or 20 different like alternate fires and those are randomly assigned. And so what I mean by that is like that one of the one of the alternate fires you can have for your gun is a um is like a beam that can pierce shields, right? And that can appear on any gun, you know? So the different gun types is like there's a pistol, there's a shotgun, there's a rocket launcher, there's a machine gun, there's a rifle, right? There's all that kind of stuff. Grenade launcher, all that. And then these alternate fires, like this one's got the beam, or this one's got the tracking missiles, or that kind of thing. Though that those are randomized; they can be on any gun, right? And then there's there's also other uh, things that they can have. Like this gun uh, leeches some of the health, right? So you get healed randomly when you shoot things. Or um, but those are unique to the weapon types. I don't think that the leech rounds can appear on any weapon. I think that's specific to the rifle. Uh, so yeah, so, so it does feel like you're, you're getting different weapons and it is exciting when you find a weapon that's really cool and it does all the things you like. Oh, it's my favorite weapon type and it has good stats and it's got this augment on it that I like, you know, that is exciting. But as far as the roguelike elements going, when you compare it to other roguelikes, it doesn't feel as different as other games. I don't think necessarily. Okay, so Sweet. why are you? Why is this a roguelike? Why do you, when you arrive on this, well, when you crash land on this planet and you find your corpse, why do you then, uh, like, what's your mission? Why are you in space to crash land there to begin with? So, forgive me that I'm bad at following stories in games when I first oh, no. play them. In, in so specifically in games that are very gameplay focused, this is okay. a video game. This is very gameplay focused, you know. And so in games like this, I I find it kind of hard to to pay attention to the story fully, uh, especially because this is the kind of game where I'm going to be watching a Twitch stream while I'm playing it. You know, um, you're going to be watching a Twitch stream while you're playing. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I mean, like, why? <laughs> Cause it, I don't. It's a game. Game. It's a game that I just. I'm. I'm oh, you're sit just down saying it's like yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna be watching a Twitch stream and just playing a, a game generally while while watching. I thought you meant like you you had to be watching a stream of it while you were playing it or something. Oh no no no! I just mean this is the kind of game that I I'm just I, I'm gonna be relaxing watching a stream while I'm playing it right. Yeah. So like when when audio logs come up and stuff, I'm not listening to them because. I've got a Twitch stream going and that kind of thing, yeah. and I'm playing a video game, you know? So... Well, I just pulled up the story if, if you want me to read a quick uh, bit of it. Well, from what... Here's what I picked up. From, like... So, the... 
uh, I'd be afraid of spoilers on something like that. Well, for, yeah, that's the thing. It's just the wiki. I'm only going to read the first paragraph. Well, go for it, and then I'll see what I remember out of it. Okay. Stop me if you hear spoilers. All right. Disobeying orders, Astra Corporation explorer Selene Vassos attempts to land on the off-limits planet of Atropos to investigate what she dubs the White Shadow Signal, which somehow seems familiar to her. Okay, so that's what I was saying earlier when I when yeah. you said like why are you on the planet? Um I do remember that. So yeah, she she there's the signal from the white shadow. She attempts to land on the planet. I forgot the I forgot about that detail that it's forbidden for some reason. Mm. Um and, and, yeah. and so it then, says Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, just then yeah, she crash lands time loop time. Yeah. And then it says, unable to contact Astra, Selene explores the planet and is shocked when she comes across corpses of herself. She learns that every time she dies, time seems to loop back to the moment she crashed, sending her back to her starting point. In addition, the planet seems to change with every loop, and she also experiences vivid but random visions. Um, yes. So that that's part of the game that's kind of cool, is when you die, the dying cutscene and the starting over cutscene is like, it seems like they've got like a hundred uh, clips that are like 0.2 seconds long, hmm. and they play you five of them. You know what I mean? Uh, so you just get like all these weird images, right, that all kind of are symbolic and tie into the story overall. Weird. Um, also, another thing that's kind of weird and, and cool about the game, but it also ties into one of the problems of it, is that there's no menu. Uh, so when you boot the game, it gives you the Sony logo, then it gives you the Housemark logo, they're the developer, and then it just then then the game just loads and you and you're playing. Whoa, really? Uh, so yeah, so I really like that. That's However, cool. that ties into our biggest problem with the game. But before we get into problems, I want to tell you a little story. So I'm playing this game, right? And I'm like, hey, this game's pretty cool. And I'm going around and the story's a little intriguing because I'm paying attention to it at this point. And, uh, and listening to the audio logs and all that. Um, and then this thing happens in the game that I will not, I, I won't spoil it, but Let's just say, like, you walk into a room and there is something, there is a, a door that is special and it is very intriguing and you're like, I want to go in this door, right? Real bad. So I approach the door and a pop-up in the game comes. Like, this is the most interested I am in the story yet because this is very intriguing. And a pop-up appears on screen that says, you cannot enter this area until the game has finished downloading. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got this game on a disc, and I put it in, and it gave me a progress bar, which I waited uh, I waited a while, right, until it was 100%. I did not launch the game prior to that. Waited till it was 100%, and then I launched the game, and that's and that's what happens, right? And I'm like, that this is real weird. So, first of all, downloading is confusing wording because I didn't download shit except for the day one patch, which I did wait to finish before I launched the game. There's always one. There's always a day one Uh, patch. And then also, why isn't it done yet? So so that's weird. Um, 
And then, so then that leads us into, we'll get back to this story because immediately that leads us to this game's ultimate problem right now for me and for a lot of people, which is that you cannot save and quit and come back later in this game. For some reason, that's not an option. This is a roguelike, right? Uh, So, like, the idea is you got to beat it in one go, right? But you shouldn't have to beat it in one sitting, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I'm the type of person who, like, like, I I think, first of all, I think the justification is that you you can rest your PS5. If you need to go to bed or go do something, you put your PS5 in rest mode. Then you boot it back up and the and 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 you're in, right? Unless the game decided to like update and restart while you, the system was resting, then you're fucked. But which, by <laughs> the way, on the PS5, I heard is like lightning fast, getting like in, what is? in and out of a game from sleep mode. You know, like I heard like getting your console woken up, go into the application that you played last the game. I've heard it's like mm-hmm. almost you're instantly there. Yeah, it's real quick. So yeah, if you don't know, uh, the PS5 can sleep just like the uh, PS. I think the PS4. PS4 rest sleeps yep. also. So does PS3. So does PS3. However, PS3 definitely didn't keep the game going while you rested. Did PS4? I don't even remember. PS4 does keep the game going while you rest, like the Switch. Does. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so I think that's the idea: is you can put your system in rest mode. You know. But uh, and then you can come back and you can finish your run. But what you can't do is anything else. You can't launch a different game. Mm. You can't turn off your PS5, Web and that's browser. a big deal for yeah. So that's a really big deal for me because personally, I have like three different places in my house that I play games in, and I move the PS5 to wherever it is. You know? Why? Well, I've got like my I've got my computer desk, I've got my living room, and I've got my studio. Right. Uh, and so do you move I it frequently? Can... Yeah. Like, how often are you moving your console? I don't know. Pretty much every time I want to play it, I move it to the place that I move it to. Would you say like a, at least a couple times a week, maybe? Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah, because that's uncommon. Like, I think. Well, it's like if I if I want to stream PS5, I move it to the studio, right? Mm-hmm. If I want to play PS5, I move it to either the living room or the computer desk, whichever spot I'm gonna I'm gonna play it at at that time. So, like for me, that creates this issue where when I start a run of Returnal, I am dedicated to it because I'm not allowed to turn my system off <laughs> because the game has no saving quit option, which is fucked. It's, it's fucked. something <laughs> there there are there are like this I the there are high this is a high stakes game, right? Like I was saying earlier, uh it, the roguelike part of it I don't really care that much about because like the randomization element of it isn't that big of a deal, really. But like it is a high stakes game and I do think that that part of it is cool. The part that like uh the part where it, the idea is that you you have to beat the game in one go without dying, you know? Like and that's like a big important part of the game, so I get it, right? I get why it's done that way and that it's high stakes but games like fire emblem for years and years and years games like fire emblem have had a a um a suspend feature in them where it's it's real simple you save and quit 
and then when you load the save, it deletes the save file, so you can't load it more than one time. Huh. You know what I mean? That way, you're allowed you're allowed to turn your system off. You know, uh, you're but you can't like load the game every time something goes wrong. You know what I mean? This is something that's been happening for years in other games. Why this game doesn't have that function is stupid. Uh, I, my guess, of course, is that the system has cloud storage. I think what they're trying to prevent is they they don't want someone to be able to suspend their save and then up like upload it to the cloud, right? And then they resume, and oh shit, they died, so they'll just download their file from the cloud now. You know what I mean? Or even worse, like what they used to do. Do you remember on? Did you ever use the website GameFAQs or GameFAQs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did you know? So when you went to a particular game, you'd see its traditional, like, you know, white and kind of light blue layout. You'd see like a grid pattern, like almost like an online Excel sheet, you would see. Uh, FAQ, cheats, walkthroughs, and sometimes they... This was actually even older in GameFAQs history. I think it was before the IGN merger, but you'd see saves. You could mm-hmm. go to a menu, and you could actually download other people's saves and then just yeah. load from that and then play that save. It was crazy. I was like, why would anyone want to do that? But right. I don't think you've been able to do that on PS3, 4, or 5. I don't think I, so either. I think that save files are bound to PlayStation Network accounts. But but uh, a question in chat here. Could you duplicate the save file and move it one copy? Won't Or move it one copy won't get deleted. Move it one. That's what I'm talking about yeah. with the cloud storage, right? But it deletes itself after you load it once, right? The cloud one won't delete, though. Oh, okay. So, like, pe- people did this to exploit Demon Souls a lot, right? That you could, you could like, get yourself into a certain spot, upload your file, and then if something went wrong, you could just download it from the cloud, right? Which it's like, okay, so people can cheat. If they do that, who cares? It's a single-player game, uh, you know? Like, this is a single-player game. It doesn't really matter if someone wants to cheat. You know, I don't care. I don't feel like we should inconvenience everybody by not having a, a suspend feature just just to prevent someone from cheating in the single player game. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, or or like what I wish is that maybe the PS5 could have some kind of feature where the developer could decide whether or not a save file was uploadable to the cloud in the first place. Like just have the res- have the suspend file be a certain type of save file that you can't upload, you know, or something like that. That'd be a hell of a lot better. You know what platform does that? The Nintendo Switch, and everyone hates it. <laughs> everyone hates the fact that uh, that. Nintendo has cloud storage for the Switch, but some games don't let you use it. What? And I think, yeah, and I think the reason is for this idea that you can't, like, revert stuff back for things that are important. Like, I think Splatoon 2 is a game that doesn't let you uh, use cloud storage, and the reason is that you could use it to manipulate your online stats, you know? Um, So, they just said, you know, you can't use cloud storage for that game. Which means that if you ever changed switches, you wouldn't be able to... uh, Like, if your Switch broke, right, and you had to get it replaced, then your Splatoon 2 file would be gone. Which sucks, but you know what you can do? You can save and quit Splatoon 2, and you can come back later. (laughs) So, I don't know, man. 
it's it's fucked. Uh, that I I think that they'll fix it, but right now it's like it, Housemark. Housemark. What else? What yeah. else have they made? I don't know. I uh, their logo is like that little blue or that little green blocky robot thing that I definitely have seen before, but I don't mm. know what games they actually it looks did. Looks like a cog to me. Oh, um, they're a Finnish company. But okay, let me get to all the problems though. Go ahead. So you you so the the fact that you can't save your file means that you can't go do something else, right? But you know what else it means? It means that if your game crashes, then you're fucked, right? Your 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 run is is totally dead. Uh because it's not like it's auto-saving, you know. A, a game like The Binding of Isaac lets you save and quit your run and come back later and also it auto saves so that if there's a crash or something like that then you you have a spot to go back to that's not nothing um and uh and, and the other problem is what I was just saying where I got to this point in the game where it told me that the game was not finished downloading and what in with any other game what you would do is okay save and quit reboot the game but I can't do that cuz I'm in the middle of a run you know what I mean a run that I cannot save so I did it anyway though <laughs> uh I I I quit the run and quit the game and I scoured the PS5 for like information about something that was downloading or or uploading couldn't find it anywhere anywhere in the interface i could not fucking find a menu that told me what was down recently downloaded so i relaunch the game and i get to the thing again and i'm like oh boy here we go uh and it gives me the same message game is still downloading you can't enter this spot god damn it <laughs> so i'm like fuck so uh so again go back to the ps5 menu and uh, again i cannot find anywhere on this system information about shit that's been recently downloaded so i uh but w when i went to the I, I so i went to the returnal game though and i went to like the information about it and it said that it it said that the size of the game was 55 gigs and that the like install portion or something was at 37 out of 55 or something and you were playing you know? it yeah wow uh so so i this is doubly confusing first of all the game's not finished installing but i was playing <laughs> it secondly the game claims that the size of the file that it's taking up is the full install file which is not done yet so like i'm like very confused about this so i'm like okay let's just hang out here and let's see what it does it doesn't do anything it's not going anywhere it's not installing at this time it is just sitting there at the 37.5 gigs, it does not appear to be active, you know? So I looked it up online, and people are saying, oh, yeah, okay, so it's bugged. It's, like, apparently it seems to be some kind of bug with either this game specifically or the PS5 that apparently, here's how it works. There, the game installs, and, it tell, and that's the progress bar that you see. 
right? And it gets up to 100% and then it completely disappears with no indication that there is actually a super secret second install going on (laughs) of the second half of the game, which if you launch the game during this time, it will bug out and will not fully install. And during this time, though, so, so I had to delete the game and then take the disc out and put it back in and get it to start installing again. And then it turns out that only during the install uh, does the super secret menu about things that are being downloaded pop up only when there is an active download happening. So you can't go to the menu to see all the things that are completed. It has to be active. So I put the disc in, and while it's installing, now there is a menu that tells me what's downloading. So I go to that, and okay, this menu informs me, yeah, there is an install going. You can see the little notch of where the, uh, of where the game you know, is playable. Uh, and then there's a r- whole rest of the install bar. So basically, yeah. Basically, like, the, the, the first, one of the first, like, really cool things that the game story tried to do just, like, fell flat on its fucking face because of this weird PS5 thing uh, where the system was just the most, I don't know, just extremely unuser-friendly and buggy and shitty uh, and it, it, yeah. I, I have to say that is one thing I'm glad you brought up because it's, it's a pet peeve of mine too, because while I do think modular, uh, executions, executables, uh, well, I do think modular programs are cool where I can go into the game. I can look around at the menu. I can change settings, all while the game is still being installed, I can do something. I can be productive while I'm waiting. That's the coolest thing because one of the biggest problems with games later in the generation of gaming is load times because of either you know optical disk read speeds or just the bottleneck in your network just to download a fucking update or something. <clears throat> with a game that lets you play it while it's still installing... You run into issues like where I do, where I'm playing something like Samurai Showdown, which for the PS4, it's it's a it's the new modern reboot of the of the franchise. Um, it'll let you play it. It'll let you go into practice mode. It'll let you play. I don't think you can play online, but practice mode, like which is generally what you do the first time you jump into a fighting game, you get your you get the rust shaken off for a little bit, and then you start playing people. Um, Go into practice mode, <laughs> and then you go, all right, cool, I'm all warmed up. I'm going to go play with the big boys now. You go into multiplayer, you go online. It says online unavailable until update has finished installing. And then you go, fuck. And then you go, fuck, even harder, because then you realize the update is likely a game update, which is a balancing thing, which is usually like they added a new character, so every other character has to have a small minor change to them so that it balances a little bit with the new character and makes it so that it's not underpowered or overpowered at the day of release. So here's the thing. You want to go practice to fight this new character, right? 
you go, okay, I've seen this thing on YouTube. I've seen their mediums. I've seen their normals. I've seen their grabs. I've seen their command throws. I've seen how they kind of function. I'm going to start practicing because I know it's the first shit I'm going to encounter when I go into ranked. And then you realize the update's not finished and you just played a character which technically does not exist because that character no longer no longer exists in that meta in that iteration in that version of the game so it's like okay well maybe i know you know what my normals are still and maybe i have a little bit of rush shaken off of just my motion reflex but uh Nothing I did technically actually matters if I'm trying to understand and fight the character that I was training to fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's bullshit, and it gets in the way of that. So in a story-focused game, I can see it not being as big of a problem, just annoying because you get to a loading screen. But in other games, it can cause serious problems. It's cool, but it's going to cause problems. Yeah. Um. Also, like, oh, my God, the PS5 interface, dude. Like... I so when I when I deleted the game and and started to reinstall it it gives it gave me two separate bars where the top one was the game where it was bisected you know so it gets halfway done then it's like ready to play and then there's the second install that has to finish uh for you to that you have to wait for or it'll bug out apparently and then the second bar right underneath that is the day one patch downloading so it installs to the 100%, gets halfway through the bar, uh, and then when the patch finished download, and, and it gave me, like, time uh, time estimates, you know? Like, you know, five minutes until you can play it, uh, 30 minutes until it's fully installed, and then the patch was, like, five minutes until the patch is done downloading, right? They all had <laughs> estimates. When the patch finished downloading, it interrupted the game's install to install the patch. So it, like, stopped everything else, installed the patch, then went back to the install, which at which point the install was visually bugged out, which then that worried me that everything was fucked again because the progress bar of the install went back to the halfway point, Uh. and now... (laughs) and and it said that it was like 99 plus hours remaining for the in for the regular install but then like 1 second remaining for the second install and the 1 second remaining for the second install was counting up by seconds and i was like oh no it's fucked again but it counted up to like 20 seconds and then just finished so I was like, okay, I guess it's fine now. I was gonna say there and, was a there was something I saw before. It was in a I think it was in a TV show or a video game, but it's one of those things that's definitely like you wouldn't see it in Windows because it looks like something that's designed to be spyware that like a virus just took over your PC. But it was one thing where a guy was just like waiting to install something, waiting to install something. It's just a blue progress bar because all the way up to ninety nine percent freezes. He goes, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Whole progress bar turns red and starts counting back down. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think Windows has ever actually done that, but it's hilarious thinking about just small little bits of, a, of, of something as small as a fucking operating system can cause you great anxiety. Yeah. So that's my little story of, like, frustration just with the PS5 and modern consoles, and that, that kind of... 
put a little damper on the start of the game for me. But uh, other than that, I mean, gosh, I, I wonder if I really missed anything. Just where, like, um, I mean, the game is really cool and really fun. Uh, it's just, I, I wish, I wish you could save and quit and come back. Um, and then I also think that, like, maybe the randomness should be a little bit more pronounced. There's one other thing about it. So I have, there's one other thing to talk about with it. Um, so I've rolled the credits on the game already at this point. Uh, and... Which means you've beaten it. Y yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so, the game is $70, right? Whoa! It is a, oh, wait. yes. It's, it is, sorry, PS5, I forgot. Yup, <laughs> yup. Games are $70 now for PS5. And, um... At this point, I do want to play it more, you know? It's not like I saw the credits and I'm just like, eh, bait it, you know? Uh, yeah, like, I, I'm gonna play it more, but um, the thing about it is, like, so I'm gonna talk about Binding of Isaac again, <laughs> but in Binding of Isaac, there's, like, 15 or more characters, and beating the, and each of the characters play differently, and beating the game with every character, the, the pathway in that game like splits in different ways, and beating every different path with every different character unlocks different items, you know? So like, so you, and, and there's a progress thing that's like, here's what you've done with this character, and here's what you've done with this character on the character select screen. So you have this really good incentive on top of the fact that, like I was discussing earlier, the random elements are way more pronounced and runs feel way different. Um, with, like, increased also, difficulty or...? Uh, that partly increased difficulty, but also just, like, your items are so different each run that it feels like a different run you know you have to you you have to adjust your play style and stuff gotcha. uh, and your strengths are in different areas um so uh, so also on top of that though in isaac you've got this really great incentive to keep playing where you're like i want to do i want to do all the objectives with all the different characters to unlock all of the different items to then appear in later runs you know and that's a huge part of the game and that's what gets you to just do run after run after run after run after run also if you play isaac slowly uh a run is like a, f a full successful run all the way down is like an hour and a half long, you know, hmm. high end, like high end. It takes an hour and a half, right? I for neglected dimension. And this is also a very, very important part of the, you can't save and quit. Both of my victorious runs in, in returnal so far have been over four hours long. Whew. Like this game, so so you have to beat this game in one run without dying. That's cool. It takes four hours, maybe, depending on how fast you play. That is like what way you, more. What do you do in these? Like, okay, so explain to me. You say it's kind of like Metroid Prime, where it's like door by door, room by room, third person yeah. shooter. What what's going on? Are you walking through like a cave, or like are, are you seeing what kind of monsters are you seeing? You know. So there's different areas, and uh, but um, so the first place that you're in is like a rainy forest, you know, 
and uh, and the monsters, like the first one, they're like wolves with tentacles, kind of, and they shoot like a spray of bullets or they bite you, right? So you can shoot them, you can melee them, all that kind of stuff. But then there's also monsters that are like floating jellyfish, right? And they shoot a different kind of wave of bullets at you or they shoot like a beam at you. Then there's these fucking bats, dude. Don't get me started on the fucking bats. And then there's, like, these other guys that are, like, big troll dudes where, uh, they're, they, like, sh lunge at you super fast, so you gotta, like, you gotta learn to read their telegraphs really well because they do a shitload of damage to you and hit you out of nowhere. I did say, I did see a tweet on, uh, on Twitter, obviously. Uh, someone said, I, I, here's how you know Returnal is a retro game, because everyone hates the fucking bats. Oh my god. God, dude, there, it's like, uh, the enemies telegraph their attacks, you know, but these bats, dude, they are like the prime example of what I was saying earlier, where they swarm you, they get behind you, and when they, when they, uh, when they do their telegraph, that's like, I'm gonna lunge at you and attack you, you've got, like, no time at all to react, you know? Which also means that if there's one behind you, it's like, it's just gonna hit you, you know? I, they're also really hard to hit, because they're, like, weaving around they're bats. and shit. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, there, there's a, so there's a decent variety of enemies. But yeah, it's like you go into a room, you assess the threat, you have to fight the guys in the proper order, because, you know, you need to get rid of the threats first. One thing I really like is that, um... The, these big guys, like that troll guy I was mentioning that's, like, big and does a shitload of damage and moves really fast, that kind of guy is, like, you you need to have 100% focus on this guy to kill him without getting hit, you know? Uh, but the thing is, big enemies like that, they first appear as, like, a red orb in the middle of the room that takes, like, 20 seconds to spawn. So when you see that red orb, it's like, shit, I know I need to kill every other one of these motherfuckers right now so that when this guy spawns, it's just me and him. You know what I mean? So that's cool. Uh, also, another little thing I neglected to mention that I love is that, okay, so let's say you fought all the enemies, they're all dead. Then you're in the room. There's just some things around, right? Pick up the health pickups. Find a chest, you know? It's got a new weapon in it. Do I take the new weapon or, leave, or, or keep my current one? Uh, you know, the, you, you make some decisions like that. You maybe find a couple secret items that are hidden away in spots, that kind of thing, right? Then it's like, okay, so there's two doors. This is what I love. If it is a side path, your map shows the door as like an art, as like a pointed arch. It's like, it's like a darker blue triangle door on your map. And that means that is a side path. And then the main path, though, is like a rectangular, lighter shade of blue. So you know immediately, if you want to be thorough and do everything, go that way. If you're beeline in the main path, go that way. That's I cool. really like having that information. Yeah. Uh, kind of like so a that's Doom really map. Cool. Like how... Like, <laughs> Like how that was a weird like fucking thing coming out. Uh, like how in Doom, where you have like a darker, I think it's darker brown on the wall that shows you, hey, there's a door here. You should check that out. And then it's usually like maybe like a foot deep corridor that just has some super armor or like a shotgun or something like that in it. You know, something you can see, but you know, for that it's more about secret items and not necessarily not necessarily secret paths. But there are tons of those, especially in Doom too. So. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. 
Yeah, so so I love that about it, but 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 that's your basic gameplay is that you know you you fight the dudes in the room, you kind of search the room for some secrets, then you go to the next room. Some rooms are more um, some rooms are more like uh, obstacle coursey, where like here's a room that's just got some lasers that are sweeping and stuff, and you just kind of kind of jump through them and platform through them and that kind of thing. Uh, there's usually like a risky spot that's hard to do, but you'll get some extra money there. Um, one thing also that I neglected to mention about the gameplay, uh, and this is why people probably think it's, uh, like, you're hearing a lot that maybe it's too hard, is that the game, like, really heavily rewards you for never getting hit, which also t in turn makes it feel like you're getting really punished every time you get hit, which is through this adrenaline system. Every three enemies that you kill without getting hit levels up your adrenaline, and you can get it up to level 5, and each level of adrenaline makes it so that as you shoot, you also shoot out these, like, homing missiles <laughs> that kind of home into dudes and hit them, so you're more powerful. Also, they give you, like, bonuses. There's like a mobile level game, one. that does that. That same exact um, thing. Yeah. So also the game though, it's got like uh like like a uh, Gears of War active reload, remember that? I never actually played Gears of War. So when you reload, a bar fills up. Oh, Alien Swarm has this also, I think. Uh, uh a um a bar fills up to to represent your reloading, right? But there's this notch in the middle where if you hit the trigger when the bar is in that notch, you instantly reload. The reload is done, right? So by doing a little timing, which is Tough to, sorry, I'm hiccuping because I ate a really big dinner. Um, when, when you, uh, so while you're like jumping around trying to dodge all these enemy projectiles and shit while you're reloading, then you also want to like time this bar on this notch to get an instant reload and that kind of thing. Anyway, the first level of adrenaline just like makes that notch bigger, you know? The second level makes it so you can see where enemies are through walls. The third level makes your melee stronger. Then we get big. Fourth level makes you start gaining 50% more experience, uh, which just, well, by experience, I mean weapon proficiency, which affects, like, how good of weapons drop for you. Hmm. And then the fifth level makes you get 50% more money, right? So you are heavily rewarded for never getting hit, which makes it all that much more brutal when you do get hit. Um so yeah, that's your that's your basic gameplay, right? Then at some point though, you'll find the key that you bring over to the big door. The big door has the boss behind it. You fight a boss. The bosses are really cool. Um, like the bosses look. God, there's this one boss that's like, he's like a big plant dude, and he's like playing a big plant organ when you <laughs> find him. And, like, he turns around and he looks fucking cool, you know? And then you, like, fight him while he's, like, playing this organ, you know? Like and the organ is, like... And the organ is, like, shooting these big, colorful waves of bullet hell projectile patterns at oh, shit. you and shit. Like, dude, it, the bosses are awesome. Uh, How are so the then, graphics so, on PS5? Like, what, is that something, like, super visually stimulating, I guess, that happens? Yeah, 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 like that's kind of what I was talking about earlier where it's like sometimes a lot of the bullet patterns kind of look cooler than they mm. are hard to dodge, you know what I mean? Yeah. Shit looks really cool in the game and there are lots of particle effects. It runs at 60 FPS, which is something that I love about PS5 so far is that like we're back, baby. You know, we're back to 60 FPS games, uh, which feels very good. God, so yeah, all, all that kind of stuff is great. Um but what 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 was I ultimately getting at though? Uh, 
So, I don't know, maybe that gives you an idea of the gameplay. After you beat the boss, then you move on to the next area. The next area is super different, right? Visually and, like, totally new enemies and that kind of thing. And there's, like, uh, there's three areas in a single run that you go through, you know? Um, So they're they're very different from each other, uh, especially at the end. So, yeah. There was something I was getting at, though, and it had to do with the four-hour-long runs, I feel like. The ones you said that if you feel like you want to do everything, it takes you four hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you? Oh, so, is, is it like when you die, you lose everything, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so the is what you keep, though, there there is some big stuff that you keep. Oh, this is... Yes, thank you for asking, because this is something I wanted to talk about. This game has... Almost like Metroidvania elements to it, though, which is very weird for a roguelike, I think. Actually, I've never played Dead Cells. I've heard that Dead Cells is this way also. But, uh, like, so at first there's a lot of shit you can't interact with. Here's something that's underwater. I can't go underwater. This guy's got a shield. I can't break the shield. There's a spot for a grappling hook, obviously. I don't have a grappling hook. When you get these pieces of equipment, those stay with you. So that's something that's actually really cool, where it's like, I find the grappling hook, and then I died, right? Like key so, pieces oh, of kit. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, fuck, I died, I gotta start the run over. But now I've got the grappling hook, and there's grapple points right away, you know? So, like, when you do the first area again it feels different because you have more movement options now and you can access more power-ups and that kind of thing and kind of get you going faster. Um, so, yeah, there is, so you do keep that stuff. Uh, but, like, your weapon proficiency, uh, which is what, deno- that's what decides, like, the quality of your weapon drops, uh, as well as, like, your max health and that kind of stuff, all that resets. Um, so, yeah. So, the, okay, this is what I was ultimately getting at, and this is why I was talking about The Binding of Isaac and how, like, that game incentivizes you so well to play it over and over again. I don't know what this game has that's like that, you know? Yeah. There's not different characters to play as. Uh, when I beat the game, I didn't unlock a new item that I can find now or no anything like that. No incentive for you to do it again, really? Yeah, like, I... I do want to play it again just because the game is fun, you know? So I'm still playing it a bit just because it's fun to shoot the aliens, you know? Not even, like, and, a different character or anything like that. Right. Like, like the the playing it through a second time, like, I'm going to get different items that, like I was saying, don't feel super different, but they are different. I don't know. Like, I want to play through it again because it was fun, and that's good. That's the best thing you can say. But I don't know how long that's going to last because I don't feel as incentivized. Um, I don't know what the game does to keep you coming back because, like, the some of the, the random stuff that other games have just isn't there. Uh, and, I, you know, and the, the, the process of unlocking new items isn't directly tied to, like, you beating it. It's more tied to, like... I don't know, you found it, I guess. Um, There is one kind of intriguing thing, which is that all of the items have, like, a research bar on them, which I think has to do with, like, how many times you've picked it up or how many enemies you've killed while you've had this item in a run or something like that. And 
The thing is, you can go into your logs and you can read about all the different items. And for some fucking reason, it doesn't tell you what they do in this menu. When you pick up an item, it tells you what it does. You find the item and it's like, hey, this item uh, makes it so that you regain your health if you have adrenaline when you shoot dudes. And you're like, cool. But then if you go into your database and read about the item, it doesn't say that. It says... It, 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 I, I, but what it does do is it gives you like a little bit of like, like flavor about it, you know, about like scientifically how it works or something a little bit. And then it's got this research bar and there's a couple items that I've filled the research bar on. And what that seems to do is it adds a, it adds like a paragraph of text to the bottom of that item description that doesn't have anything to do with that item. <laughs> but it but it seems to be part of a larger whole. Like it it literally started like it starts mid sentence, you know, and says like five sentences that's just like a story and then it ends mid sentence. And the start and the end of it have like a weird code. Like like equals slash carrot asterisk ampersand right and then the end of it uh and then the end of it has like the same has like another code so i'm guessing if you fully research all of the items uh then uh, then you can match up these codes and you'll be able to like you'll be able to piece together this like larger story right which is probably really cool and i guess that's a thing that the game does but, uh, but yeah, that's all. So basically what my point is, is I think the game is really cool and I'm going to play it more. Um, but f like for most people, I feel like $70 is probably too much, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't see myself paying, paying $70 for a roguelike game. Like no matter how, uh, it would really depend on how it, uh, how it, how it plays out, I guess. I guess, yeah. uh, do you want to talk about my game? Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Cause yeah, like well, like seventy bucks. Like Isaac is worth seventy dollars, because I don't know how you do it, but a, a lot of the time, I think a lot of people like to subscribe to the one dollar per hour rule, oh. where for seventy dollars you should get seventy hours out of it. You know, oh, I've heard a... people say that. I personally don't love mm. to talk about that. I don't even really like to talk about money all that much, especially when like. Some of the game, like I just played Castlevania Rondo of Blood, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, I paid a lot more than seventy dollars for that game. Yeah, he did. Uh, right. So, but like that was worth it, you know. So that's why I don't really like to talk about money all that much. But I think for most people, uh, you know, that it's it's gonna be a a, a tough sell. Yeah. Um, how would you rate it though? Out of uh, how many dashes? Out of out of Knox. I mean, I, uh, if money is not is not part of the conversation, I would recommend that you play the game. Let okay. me put it that way. I recommend it. It's fun. The movement feels real good. Shooting the dudes is fun. I think the idea that you have to beat it without dying is really cool, and it makes the boss fights and stuff feel like really intense. Um, and it, it, it promotes an idea where like, you don't really get attached to things very much. Um, I do have one more point of criticism sort of, 
which is that there's this one item in the game that I think is way too uh, overpowered. I, I, I wonder what they're going to do with the balance on the game. There's this one item that says that uh, y it heals you for 5% of the damage that you deal per adrenaline stack, which is way too much. Both the runs that I beat were completely carried by this one item. Because, like, as long as I didn't play, like, complete ass, I would get to adrenaline level one, and then every shot that I hit enemies with healed me. And, uh... Oh, and one, like, really cool mechanic about the game is that every single health item that you find on the ground to heal you, if you are at full health, gets converted into one of those pieces of heart. Uh, so if nice. you are running around with full health all the time, you are heavily rewarded by having your maximum health significantly increased. And that's really cool. But that's what I'm saying is come like Makes this item just, mode, yeah. this item just healed me way too much. And I was like, I don't know if I deserved it, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I beat I it. I didn't <laughs> deserve this. <laughs> yeah. But no. yeah, so that's Returnal. I, I recommend that people play it. It's really cool and fun, and it feels good to play. Nice. Maybe I'll wait for it to be one of them uh, free PlayStation Plus downloads or something, which yeah, I'm sure yeah. it will because pretty much every launch title for a console is free at some point, I think. Yeah. And sorry I keep bringing up more things, but on that note, you know what is interesting to me is that people aren't talking about the price very much. I feel it's weird. It's like PS5s are so scarce, and that it, I, I feel like the people who have <laughs> PS5s are just happy to be able to buy the game and play it because right. they have a PS5, you know? Uh, but I don't know. People should be complaining about the price a little bit more, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. on that, I've heard that, uh, I've heard that it takes a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort and, uh, video games, a lot of times kind of r risk not breaking even. So like from what I've heard, it's actually kind of a miracle that it took this long to get to $70 games. Uh, given how much can go into some of them. Um, I don't really know that I have too much input on that because I, I, I do typically like to side with game developers uh, in general. Um, but then there are some game developers that aren't so good to listen to, uh, namely like people who you know create those Patreons to crowdfund a game but then spend all the money on hookers and blow. Um, yeah. Well... All I would say about it is I would I'll I'll happily pay $70 for a game if it came with the promise that we were back to how things used to be of I get the whole game. Yeah, when I fucking do that. don't give me the DLC bullshit at that right. price. Exactly. So like so Demon Souls totally worth it for me and uh and and Returnal like we'll we'll see um but like as long as the game doesn't nickel and dime me then i'm I, i'll be i'll be on its side right but yeah i can't stand like the the you know the idea that like oh game uh well, well just that like games were 60 dollars for so long when most games had a season pass and stuff like that you know so yeah. many games were a hundred dollars for a long time and still are 
basically that's fighting games. I mean, you have to pay sixty or fifty to sixty bucks for a brand new fighting game that comes out, and then you know there's three, uh, potentially up to five to six different seasons of DLC that you have to pay either thirty bucks for the season pass or seven to nine dollars per character individually like there's like usually four characters per season so it's mm-hmm. like it's you're, you're just paying so much overtime and of course with the way fighting games work you wanna you wanna know how to play those characters online or you want to know how to defend against them so you need to buy them and <laughs> to go into practice mode with them and and you know get your ass beat by them in practice mode, so you know how they work. It's, it's important, and they squeeze every penny out of you. It sucks. Yeah. So, tell. Uh, speaking of though, games that aren't seventy dollars, I was and going to hopefully say hopefully won't have uh, won't have a season pass. Probably. <laughs> hopefully. Tell yeah. me about new Pokemon Snap. So new Pokemon Snap is sixty dollars. Um, I, upon announcement. And upon seeing it become available, um, I said day one, day one purchase for me. There are very few games, video games at, at all anymore. I can't remember the last time I had a day one purchase for a video game for me. Um, and that's, I've been waiting for Pokemon Snap for literally more than most of my life at this point because Pokemon Snap is the quintessential for me uh coupled with pokemon stadium 2 the quintessential in 64 experience like that's my experience with n64 uh throw in pokemon puzzle challenge and then uh uh what was another big one i played uh, hey you pikachu didn't count because that one that one was kind of terrible but a- anyway i've been waiting for snap for fucking ever um i have been waiting and i think i said this on a couple podcasts before before i have been waiting since the wii u for them to do something like this. I was going, oh my God, this is the perfect thing for a new Pokemon Snap game because you have motion controls, you have something that you're holding in your hand like this, and you can move it around and take pictures of Pokemon. That would be fucking awesome. Um, We didn't get that on Wii. We didn't get that on GameCube. We didn't get that on Wii U. We finally fucking got it on Switch. I was so happy to get that. Um, I... Had my first playthrough of it with my friend Maggie on stream uh, Friday, and I was probably, I think I probably spent a couple hours in it earlier, just before uh, the uh, the new Discord, or sorry, on Discord, just before the podcast. Um, and we kind of just went through things, just going through levels, uh, looking at how you get through secret paths, looking at like how you manipulate pokemon in an environment to get them to do something to unlock something cool or a cool event to happen for you to get good pictures of in a level um that's like the classic fun of the first game so that part is very well preserved i would say it's a little bit more challenging though like which is good because it, it shouldn't be as easy as it was um it's a little bit more challenging to figure out what to do and when uh, there's a couple new mechanics. There's a couple. Well, there's actually a lot of the same mechanics of the, of the original game. It's still an on rails, quote unquote shooter. You know, it's a photography game. It's on rails. You're in a little cart that just goes through a level, and you try your best to get the best shots of all the Pokemon you can before you get to the end of the level. 
Um, and at the end, Professor Oak is like, this shot is shit. Yeah. What the fuck were you doing? And my God, let's talk about how much of an improvement that is with this game. Um, in Pokemon Snap on the N64, um, oh, yes, wonderful. That's everything. <laughs> well, that was my favorite, though. Wonderful. <laughs> like, I loved the delivery of that one. Yes, but, like, that every two seconds <laughs> for, like, a ten minutes straight, every level <laughs> gets yeah. old real fucking quick. And it <laughs> suffered the same problem as that po- the game I just mentioned, Pokemon Puzzle League, was uh, the voice lines. Oh while my they're god, just yeah. they're okay they're they're fine for the first 5 minutes and then oh my god that's all there is that's all I'm you're going to hear I'm going to win when you hot you hot I'm going to win god when you hot you hot I'm going to win just yeah as dude, the I've combo tried. bricks drop <laughs> oh my god I have tried to like play that game and watch people play it and I I cannot handle the voices you need to play that game on mute with music it's such mm. a good game but Fuck the audio of that game entirely. and it, Well, actually, no, not entirely. The sound effects of you breaking bricks and then the rest dropping, it's very, like, tactile, and it's very, it's very actually pretty satisfying. But everything else, aside from maybe the music, just terrible. Fucking awful. Not so in New Pokemon Snap. It's very nice. Um, it's, like, it sounds like you're just, uh, okay, so it's got, like, that same kind of element of, I'm going to say one thing like, oh, or hey, look at this, or something else. But while I'm saying that, there's a much bigger text box going below me. You know what I mean? Like you're getting more context when you actually read it. Um, None of that sounds off. Like it sounds like you're just kind of, oh, hey, yeah. Oh, that's good. Nice. You know, it's not repetitive. It's, It's not like theatrical. It's just like, that's a good shot. Like, oh. Yeah. What? This is great. <laughs> I've, been, I've been wanting this forever. Um, and then uh, quickly I found out my biggest disappointment yet with a game. And that was, uh, this is my first run, mind you. Uh, that was that it doesn't utilize the fucking features that I wanted it to all along. Which, uh, here here we go. Where uh, I don't have the Joy-Cons attached, but here's a Switch right here. Nintendo Switch. It's a camera in my hand, man. I should be able to control this like a camera in my hand. Uh, And you know what? I was like, I'm not going to complain. I've been waiting for this fucking game. And it's actually pretty good. The levels, all the Pokemon in it, even the ones I don't even recognize because I'm not a fan of those generations. They're all adorable. Their interactions are cute. They're they're all scripted, of course, because that's how Pokemon Snap is. Um, They're not just randomly thrown in there. Um, you can interact with them and make them do cute shit. It's 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 all great, but you're still using your stick to look through, to 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 like actually aim and and look around. Then you know you zoom in and then snap. Oh, that's how you take your pictures. That's how it was in the game before. Um, now, when I did my second run in Discord a couple hours ago, I was like just going through it a little bit more to learn about a little bit more about the game, and you know it's. It was largely the same. Um, a lot of the same, actually. And then I ended my Discord stream because I said, all right, guys, I got to go. I got to get ready for the podcast. I'm going to go start setting up. Um, I think I just hadn't heard from you at that point in time. So I said, all right, fuck it, whatever. I'm going I'm, I'm to do a little bit more research. I play it. I go through the menus. 
bam, motion controls. It's right in the menu, and it's default off. And I'm like, excuse me? This is like the shining feature of the Switch right now. Like, why is that off by de- No, dude, you should you should be showcasing that from the tutorial from the very start. Really did not like that. Huge, huge bummer on that front. And uh, I think I found out quickly thereafter, uh, it made itself apparent as I think I know why it's default off. Um, so I play the game docked just because that's how I play most Switch games. And uh, I figured, you know, it kind of makes sense. If I'm not playing this handheld, it's probably not going to control all of that well. So, I, you know, I'm holding the two Joy-Cons individually like this. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's, it's doing something, and it's not listening to me. It's not doing what I want at all. So I go, okay, yeah, that's, that's fucked. Uh, let's try something else. I put it on the actual Switch itself. I undock it. I play it in handheld mode. And pretty much immediately, it, it clears up and goes to almost exactly what I want. Um, and that's to say that it actually did kind of go with me. So the thing is, you're holding up the Switch like this because you're holding it like you're holding up a camera. So you're moving around... Um, and the, the, the Joy-Con kind of just expects these kinds of movements. So you can, cho- you can choose the speed of, of how, how fast it tracks, too. Um, but you do this, and you look around the level, and it looks pretty good. Um, the problem sounds... then becomes... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, go on. Well, I was going to say there's a problem with it, though. Uh, and, and that is... <sighs> I think a fundamental flaw that I don't think the Switch can actually solve, which is um, I'm holding this in my hand. I expect to look around, and uh, I expect the game to track with me, and I expect to look at whatever Pokemon is standing there at any moment in time. That is something I don't think... Like, that's something that requires, like, uh, AR, like, you know, augmented reality level, like Xbox 360 you know, infrared dot camera motion tracking kind of stuff that I don't think the Switch is necessarily capable of. Um, So what this does is it goes with the speed of the way that you move the Switch rather than, like, looking at the environment and tracking where things would be in a static position. So what you run into is uh, I am not looking over here fast enough even though I'm moving the Switch... So I have to, instead of doing this in a rounded curve, I have to kind of pull in the right side a little bit more as I'm turning so it's, it's, it feels that motion, and then it looks at what I want. So I have to, okay. make, I have to make over corrections with my hand. But the problem also com- comes in when you realize that you're not facing the right direction. You're, like, looking to your side when you're doing this. So you then have to move your cursor with the left Joy-Con stick to actually still do fine corrections while you're moving all around with the Switch. Um, right. I don't... Uh, sorry? What what I'm thinking is, like, the, the ideal situation is that this is a game where you're sitting in a cart going down a track. So you should be able to sit in a spinny office chair and spin around on your office chair, looking yeah. up and down and, and play almost like you're in VR at that point, you know, mm-hmm. uh, l- looking around with the camera. And you're, but you're saying when you turn, the, it's not one-to-one. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, that's the best way you could put it, actually, because um, uh, when you, <laughs> I'm thinking of it in, like, 
terms of off-roading gear differentials, axle turns per actual turn of the wheel. Anyway, yeah, it's not one-to-one because in VR, you'd have it affixed to your head, and if you look to your right, you're going to look to your right, and you're going to look back, you're going to look back. This has no way of doing this, so I don't think it's fair to knock the the new the new Pokemon Snap game uh, and the Nintendo Switch for that. I will say it's a little bit of a bummer um, because it's just what I've been dreaming of after a long time. But I will say after like playing it for a couple hours and then discovering that the option is available for me to try was I was beyond happy to see that because I even though it's not ideal, it's something I wanted and envisioned very, very from the very beginning of Pokemon Snap. So it's pretty cool that it's there. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of it. But then I tried something else too. I did what uh, I, I took the Joy Cons off the Switch, uh, put it back in uh, docked mode, and then I put it in you know the stock Joy Con controller where you can like slide it in and then you know, use it as kind of like a shitty pro controller. Um, this way was interesting because if you, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at, at all compared to uh, handheld mode, but. It, it worked like if you had to hold it like a flat on a flat plane and if you wanted to look up you actually had to tilt it up and if you wanted to look back or or over you actually had to rotate it left or right and it actually made it so you could get precise movements which is what you want in, in like a looking system but you're doing it in a very unnatural way with your hand so it kind of ruins the entire point um yeah I think I a lot of people like that though, like looking, make doing your macro movements like with a with a stick, and then your fine adjustments with your uh, with your with your wrists uh, on the gyro. I know some people like playing it that way. Yeah, and maybe it's just because I have so little experience with it. Again, because they hit it in the menu. Um, maybe that's why, and I'm just not attuned to it yet. I'm generally not super good with motion controls. Uh, like I said in one of the previous episodes, one of the best things ever I found about the DualShock 4 is when you click the right stick, you can use it to motion control and toggle around a keyboard faster than you could if you could just select them. Loved that as like a mouse cursor. As in terms of uh, a character looking places, I can't say I'm a fan of it yet. Maybe it's something I'll get used to. Um, but I do think the next step and God, I hope this game sold. I don't know what the sales figures of this game are yet, but I hope it's sold enough to where uh, there's going to be another Pokemon Snap game. And I hope it exists in a world where Nintendo uh, either (laughs) no longer monopolizes Pokemon or Nintendo decides to finally try and get back into VR. Um I think it's going to be necessary because what I want in a Pokemon Snap game is I want to be able to look over here, go, oh, fuck, while I'm getting the subject and and picture of another Pokemon and go, oh, fuck, there's a legendary shiny Pokemon flying right overhead. And I want to see my camera come into my view as I'm looking up right at it and snapping, you know? That is kind of the ultimate Pokemon Snap experience of what I would think. Um, and I don't think it would even be that hard. I, I, you could do that right now with current PlayStation VR, no problem. Especially with this game too. Like, I would love for someone to crack um, uh, new Pokemon Snap, and they probably couldn't port it to VR. But like, 
port it to PlayStation or something and make it so you could just run it. I, I guarantee you it, it would run like a PS3 game just because it's a 3D Switch game. It's not going to look like the newest, latest, greatest, but $10 difference. Uh, you know, I bet Returnal looks a lot prettier than the new Pokemon Snap. Yeah, but I, I mean, style goes a lot way, though, right? Not that Returnal doesn't have style. Like right. I'm saying, I I love the big, pretty colors and the video gamey look of all their shit. But like, yeah. dude, Pokemon looks like Pokemon, and it probably looks great. Yeah, and uh, did you ever play the first Snap? Yes. Okay, were you a fan? Did you beat it? Um, I don't think I beat it. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I I played through the first like few levels, and I think I just kind of got uh, a little tired of it. Because like, didn't you have to like do a certain thing in order to unlock the next level? Yes. So, um, <laughs> spoiler alert: uh, the game is beatable in two hours if you know what you're doing. Um, me and my friend got really, uh, really drunk one night and just like gushed about Pokemon Snap and then beat it in, like in two hours and then we passed out. It was great. Loved it. Um, so it's a game you can do while even pretty inebriated, and if you know what you're doing, you can beat it. No problem. Um, it's an experience. So what you do is, you know, you go through an area, you go, hmm, uh, seems like you didn't get all the Pokemon in this area because your score is not high enough. You need this big a score to get to the next area. All right, well, I go back. I'll take a couple pictures. I'll, maybe I'll take this apple that I can now use now that I've unlocked it and throw it over here at this Pokemon, make him go mad, attack this Pokemon over here, and then like a series of events happens. Capture a, a picture of that event happening, and then, wow, that's worth a lot of points. Um, yeah, and then you get enough points, you move to the next level, rinse and repeat, and then you, you wonder why you can't progress. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. In the level... You can manipulate some other event that will block your path, explode a wall over here, and a bunch of rocks will cave in, and oh, whoa, now there's a cave you can explore. So you have to actually unlock the next level by interacting with the game itself. So you have to be good at the at, at, at like the core part of what's fun about the game in order to get more of the game, and it was just addicting as hell, and I loved that. And, and that's preserved here. There are secret tracks that you can follow, but to be honest, I've gotten on one, and it wasn't that fruitful. Like, I got a different angle of a, of a couple Pokemon that I got already from a different part of the trail. I haven't gotten to... I, I've gotten to four of the islands so far, but... Um, and that's also pretty cool, because there's different islands. It's not just one big island now. Uh, so there's exploration... There's a little bit more com or complexity to um, the Pokemon you see around. Uh, there's day and nighttime versions of every map, so that's pretty cool because different Pokemon are out at different times. Different Pokemon hibernate and look different when they're sleeping. Um, it's it's really cool. They they really explored the idea of how can we take someone on a real safari of what a Pokemon island would look like. Um, how can we make it in-depth? How can we make it so you get more points by getting more interesting photographs of them at different times doing different things? They did that pretty well. Um, again, the thing I, I don't like is... <laughs> well, okay, I, there was one thing I didn't like, but I'm not going to say it because it does involve spoilers. But the the thing I don't like is that it seems like in other ways, it really didn't build 
upon how the core function works of you're just on rails, you take pictures, it seemed like you lost functionality, actually. Because in the original game, if you're just trying to go through a level again because you want a certain picture of in a certain area, and you, damn it, you're gonna get the, you're gonna get it this time. Uh, what you can do is you can hit on the N64 controller R1, and then you kind of fast forward, quote unquote. But it's really just your little your little buggy speeds up on the tracks, so you you're like you're quote unquote sprinting to where you want to be. This game removed that entirely. Um, Maybe I just haven't progressed far enough to unlock the mechanic. I don't know yet, but I have met a character that will seem familiar if you've played the first game. Um, and that seems like I progressed at least a little bit fur- further enough into the story to discover a core mechanic like slowing down or, or, or speeding up your movement. Uh, but again, th- th- it also adds other things too, like one of the cutest things about Pokemon Snap was let me get the cutest shot I can get or just skillful shot. And then whoa, what, what what can I do? I can go to Blockbuster and then put my memory card in a thing and it'll spit out that photo as a sticker? I could put that on my binder for school? Holy shit. Fuck yes. So the kind for a of- long for Sorry. a long time in my life, the only time that I played Pokemon Snap was at Blockbuster. Oh, you played it there? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, you owned an N64, right? You've owned every N6, or Nintendo 60, uh, system. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a 64 until I was like 14 or 15, probably. Or maybe How old are you now? 13. 30. You're, so you're only one year younger than I am. 13... Mm. Yeah, you got it just one generation. You got it in the, like the PS2 era, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I didn't. Was... Go ahead. Oh, I I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have a PS or I didn't have a, a N64 when it was current. I didn't have a Super Nintendo either. Um, like oh, our I family had, had an NES, right? We had an NES, and then we went straight to PS1, uh, and and then we're like PlayStation people for a bit, you know. And then one Christmas, it was kind of a funny story. One, uh, oh wait, this is a different story. What happened was <laughs> one time I went to a friend's house who was like not very into video games. I was just hanging out with them and, uh, and they had an N64 and Mario 64. And I was like, whoa, you got an N64 and Mario 64. And at this point, like I had sort of like, I had played Mario 64 a, a decent amount, but you know, always at like other people's in, houses or in or the mall <laughs> uh yeah yeah but uh so i was like pumped and and they were like oh yeah i never play that thing do you want it <laughs> i was like fuck yeah uh yeah yeah <laughs> i want this n64 and mario 64 what the hell nice. uh so then i got it for free from a friend and um dude even today you know? it's actually kind of nuts how much the n64 held its value especially in all its games like even today, an N sixty four with one game is still like a hundred and twenty bucks minimum. Really? Like that's um, a that's a deal sometimes actually. <laughs> so yeah, that. Oh that's, oh, that's... and do you know like the little uh, jumper packs, the little uh, expansion memory oh, yeah. packs with the red top? Mm-hmm. Those because of like the pandemic and re- the retro, like you know, the retro gaming market was already kind of getting big and exploding and getting expensive. Uh, but the pandemic apparently took the, <laughs> it was those little memory packs were going up to 20 bucks 
And then in the span of like two months, they jumped to 40 bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Yeah, Didn't they like you break look, games? Yeah. If you go to pricecharting.com and look up any game, it's like, it's always a, a, a steadily increasing curve until 2020. It just blasts up to five times the price. That it God was damn it. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Maybe, maybe now that like you know the vaccines coming out, maybe the bubble will just burst a little bit, and we can just. I you know I wonder because like do do the prices of retro games ever go down? I don't think so. I feel like once a game goes up in value, once it is established that people will pay more for this game, I don't I don't know if it ever goes down. Here's the thing though, and this is actually a great conversation we could talk about another time too. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the reason I, I I agree with that. I don't think retro games really ever lose value, at least not by a huge amount all at once. I think it's because there's never existed anything quite like the Mister, where the Mister is is like. W- w- I know, like for the past few decades, everyone's like, oh, "Get a Raspberry Pi, just emulate it. It's fine." Like the Mer- the the Mister is actually better than original. In, in some ways, if you think about it, it's insanely cycle accurate and good and like better than when I say better than the original, I mean like consoles have capacitors that go bad. Logic gates don't go bad. Um, they're 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 computational logic. They're 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 never going to go bad. It's a digital on off switch. Uh, or you know, depending on it could be a more complex switch. Either it's going to be something that makes it so people go, "Why the fuck would I pay?" You know, like what, it's like twelve hundred bucks for what is that PC Engine CD game Sapphire? It's just a shoot 'em up game. It's like a shooter game, like a sci-fi vertical shooter where you just play the like this this mech suit like piloted by this you know anime babe just in space shooting shit that game is so fucking expensive or i could just pay like 90 bucks and get a nice mister setup and like you know get a big ass sd card and then never pay for anything again and then play it all perfectly like that's never existed until now maybe maybe that's gonna start making things go down i, I kind of hope it does yeah, maybe. I, I do think, though, that like the ability to play games, I don't know if that's ever really affected the prices so much. It always seems like it is just scarcity, you know, mm. where. Um, but yeah, you know, like when limited run games recently did like Shantae for Game Boy Color. I'm uh, waiting for my copy. I don't think that the price of actual Shantae has gone down yet. But hey, maybe that's because people haven't gotten their copies yet yeah true uh, but i i that's unfortunately i think you're right that was one of the things that i thought about so for those who don't know shantae is a game boy color game made by capcom it's a female protagonist cute little she's known as the half genie hero she's like this little genie uh uh, uh protagonist she uses her hair like just long purple hair like she'll use it to whip as like a like a castlevania style whip it's like a little Metroidvania, but it's cute, uh, and it's made by Capcom. So, two big things going for it, and it's on Game Boy Color. The problem is, it was released like a, a, a year or two into the lifespan of the Game Boy Advance. So, this game came out after the next generation of handheld already started, and uh, 
it didn't sell too well because of that, and they didn't print very many. So this one Game Boy game is worth like five hundred fucking dollars just cartridge alone, not like any of the packaging, not the booklet involved. Five hundred dollars for a little Game Boy game. Um, so limited run games, thank fuck, got the rights uh, from. I think it was either WayForward or Capcom themselves. Well, Capcom published it. I think it was WayForward who made it. So they got the rights from WayForward to publish it um, on the Switch and make their own new Game Boy Color cartridges. And that's what I'm waiting for. I didn't buy a Switch version. Uh, I just wanted to play it on the real thing because I could put it on my GameCube and play it on stream still. Um, plus, it's just cool that there's new Game Boy games being made. I mean, this is not a new Game Boy game, but the fact that I can get a game for my console, my console that came out in like what to the year 2000, uh, <laughs> and a game just come out came out that the 21 years later, and I just plug it right in and it works, and it's fucking mm. it's just a great experience. It's really cool. Um, and yeah, uh, so Modern Vintage Gamer, he actually just unveiled that he worked on the port to make that game on the switch. So that's pretty cool too. A little bit of trivia there, but uh, yeah, limited run games. They make that game. I, I, I fucking hate to admit it, but I think you're right. I don't think it's going to take that $500 price tag down. If anything, yeah. if anything, fuck dude, it, it might actually make it worse because now it more people have Shantae. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like now, now it's now the game is even more notorious, you know, and it's going to get bootlegged more and sold under the guise of a real cartridge and people are going to get scammed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope not. I, I, I do hope. That's that's the problem with limited run games, though, man. They make them and then they never make them again. So yeah. it's still going to be scarce, <laughs> right? Well, uh, anything more to say about Pokemon Snap? New Pokemon Snap? Yeah, it adds a lot of uh, of of things you'd want and and cute little things and cool little things uh, that you'd want to the base game of uh, what you remember on the N sixty four. It's very good. I recommend you buy it. It's worth 60 bucks. It's adorable. Um, the things that it doesn't do well, I appreciate that it at least tried. <laughs> and uh, I haven't played it enough to make a hugely um, good judgment, but I would say it's something I'm going to keep playing for sure. Nice. Would you recommend it? Oh, yeah. Buy it. Buy nice. it full price right now. Make sure we get another Pokemon Snap at some point. Buy it right now. <laughs> uh, especially because, god damn it, at least you know this game is going to work in 20 years. I hope. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Have we heard any more about the C-Bomb? I, I haven't. No update. I've heard that Sony acknowledged that people are upset, and the only thing they did so far was just not take offline the PS3 and Vita servers. They didn't say anything about fixing their fucking hardware problem. Yeah. And right, that's what PSP I'm waiting for. The store is still going down, but, oh, uh, yeah. but the Vita store won't. But I think you can buy PSP games on the Vita anyway, though. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Would that require the Vita store to be online, or is it just available on the Vita store? Uh, you know, I, I'm not positive. Um, but yeah, I, I imagine you'll still be able to buy PSP games on the Vita store. Uh, but I, I'm not actually sure. Gotcha. 
I should probably look into that. But I mean, dude, the Vita is a great way to play PSP anyway. You can map the right analog stick of the Vita to the D-pad, so then you can play like Monster Hunter, but actually have a camera on the right analog stick while you run around with the left analog stick. It's great. Hmm. Nice. I've never done. I've never given any Sony handheld uh, the time of day. I, I wish I did. It's just I skipped out that time that period of gaming. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <sighs> the the PSP and the Vita are both like really really great systems you know like the like the power and the feeling of the systems and all that they're both like they're impressive really nice systems uh but there is um to some extent like a lack of games on them i'd say and a lack of interest from companies for some reason uh psp had some bangers like the two uh or at least liberty city stories um Probably oh, Vice City Stories also. The GTA games on PSP are awesome. Liberty City Stories is like my favorite GTA game. Uh, I want to play uh, Vice City Stories because I all, uh, Vice City is still to date my favorite my favorite GTA by far. And and yeah. and Tommy with Tommy Versetti that's his name. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I never got to play the the Vice City Stories and I was sad. I was sad about that. Yeah, I started Vice City Stories, and you know what? I didn't finish it, but I think the reason was I had just played GTA 3, then Vice City, then San Andreas, then Liberty City Stories. So it was the fifth GTA game in a row that was just this style, you know? And I, I was just as fuck, yeah. I was just done with it. <laughs> I can picture that, yeah, for sure. I did like, I mean, like, my thing with GTA was... I never cared about the story. It never mm-hmm. intrigued me enough. I just wanted to drive around like an idiot and blow shit up. Um, I was so like I, that when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's mostly when I played it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how I was. But like the the one the one story that captivated me actually was actually Grand Theft Auto Four. Uh, Nico yeah. Bellic. Nico Bellic's a really fucking good character. Like that, yeah. his whole story is really cool. I never beat the game because, again, I just have too much fun fucking around. Also, the kind of the kind of environment of of Liberty City was kind of bleak, so mm. it it, mm-hmm. it it kind of was depressing at certain times. So I didn't want to play it all the time, but uh, still, the the story, the interactions were great. Um, and then Grand Theft Auto Five came out, and that had to be probably one of the best campaigns of any video game I've ever played. Actually, that held my attention. I I had a similar thing with four, where like w- w- when I was younger, yeah, I just I, I I loaded up GTA, you know, put on the cheats, and just got the cops after me and ran around and blew stuff up, right? Uh, but then yeah, when GTA four came out, I was a little bit older, you know, and uh, I got that game and and actually really enjoyed the story of it and uh since then i've gone back and i've played every grand theft auto game preceding four now um even one and two even one and two uh and um and yeah yeah you know i i i like the series quite a bit uh did you beat one and two i didn't beat one i didn't like one very much um yeah i i beat the first like level of it or area or something and then got to the second area and was like oh it's just more of this and you know i was done with it can, can, two, I tell, I you beat, two, can I tell you a two minute story about that yeah the only time i ever had any experience with grand theft auto before the 3d era uh was at my mom's boyfriend's house at the time he was a he was a computer nerd he had a windows 98 pc i could play games on 
<clears throat> so we had that, and I played this top-down game called Grand Theft Auto, and I was like, oh, whoa, this is weird. It's all just like these weird, these little rectangles, those are cars? Oh, shit, yeah, that's a cab. Hang on. Oh, that's a blue car, and there's a van. Okay, I get this, I get this. I'm walking around, and I'm like, oh, cool. So I, I, hit, I hit, hit the space bar, dude runs up, pulls the guy out of the car, gets in his car. I'm like, oh, shit, he can drive around, this is cool. And then I crash into, like, a bridge, like a, like a, like a train bridge, right? And I go, okay, that's hard. I'm going to get out of there. And I got cops chasing after me. I go, I go fuck, fuck, got to run, got to run. I run up the, like this little area of stairs to go up near this bridge. I run across the bridge thinking, oh, shit, maybe the cops won't get me if I run across the bridge over here. And then I'm running and running and running and I'm running. And I'm, I, I, <clears throat> I hit the tracks like I was running alongside the tracks. And then I touch the tracks. I get on the train tracks, accidentally crossing over. My character... Uh, turns into like a little tiny little blip of static electricity, like, bzzz, and then he died. It says you died, and I was like, "This is the worst game I've ever played." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Fuck this game." Before the 3D era, my like Grand Theft Auto story was um, the uh, GTA 2. The PS1 version was rated teen for some reason, uh, so my parents actually bought it for me because. Whoa. You know, even like adults knew what Grand Theft Auto was and that it was bad, right? But this didn't say Grand Theft Auto on it. It said it had good GTA cover art too. Two. Yeah, it said yeah. GTA Two, but the cover art of that was actually pretty good. Yeah, the cover. It, I mean, it was just like a car with like a sniper scope on it or something. Yeah, and like uh, or like a target mark on it, and it was called GTA Two. And it was rated teen, and yeah, my parents were just like, okay, you know, it was like ten bucks on the shelf, maybe fifteen. Um, and so, yeah, I played the hell out of Grand Theft Auto 2 when I was younger, um, just because of that. I remember and them looking very similar, 1 and 2. How big of an upgrade was 2? Huge upgrade. So, GTA 1 is a complete arcade game, you know, where you spawn in and you just, like, you just get points by doing crimes, you know? And when you complete a mission... Uh, all the missions are like one shot, you know, where it's like um, where it's like you start the mission and if you beat it, it increases your score multiplier. And if you lose it, you lost the mission and then it's gone. Right. And you have to try again. It's almost like a roguelike uh, <laughs> like so. And that's how it is. You do a run in GTA, you know, and you just yeah. try to get up your score multiplier and then and then cause havoc to to make points and try to get more points, right? That's the whole game. Uh GTA 2, first of all the graphics are are a little bit better. There's like things are more defined in it. There's drop shadows on things which make th makes things look more 3D and better. Um huge improvement on the camera. Were they technically isometric? They weren't isometric, were they? No, they were they were straight up top down. Yeah. Uh, but the big, big, big difference about GTA 2 was that it was not run-based. It was, like, actually a world that you could save your game in and, uh, and come back later. And when you failed a mission, you could go back and try it again, you know? Uh, and so it felt a little bit more like a story where you had to actually do these missions, you know? And the other big thing was that there were factions. So every area had three factions that you did missions for. And you had to get your reputation up with them. Uh, and they had like a Pokemon fire, water, 
grass wheel type thing where it's like if you murdered members of this gang it would give you reputation for this gang and it was like in a circle you know so you had to like manipulate your reputation with certain gangs to get it high enough to unlock their missions and then you did their missions to get money and raise your you still raised your multiplier and all that but like it felt a lot more personal um, where where it was like for these different gangs that you want your to actions with. had a little bit more consequences and it was a yeah. little bit more complex. Yeah, it felt like it. Yeah, and the, you know there were more like characters and stuff. And um, yeah, uh, so yeah, I I, I, I man, I liked GTA two a, a lot more. That game is hard as fuck though. <laughs> like it is janky in a way. It's it's one of those games like it's funny how when when people talk about difficulty of games nowadays because the PS1 was a real rough generation in some ways and it and it set the stage for a game like Dark Souls to take over as like the hard game because the thing about PS1 was that games were hard because they sucked a lot of the time you know <laughs> what i mean like games were for just PS1 fucked. yeah yeah like like you would die in games and just be like what the fuck even happened you know it's like the driver 3 <laughs> Yeah, uh, and and like that that was just a huge part of of that generation and stuff, you know. So, um, so yeah, GTA Two had some jank and was very difficult because of it. But uh, but yeah, there you go. Indeed. Do you have any other things we want to talk about? I don't think so. I I I got. I think I got everything out about Returnal. Really. Um, yeah. yeah. I. I I think I haven't done enough research with New Pokemon Snap yet, but overall, very positive. Um, highly, highly support the game. Highly support updates to the game. DLC even would be pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I have anything other to say other than thanks you guys so much for listening if y'all are here at episode 10 with us. Um, we're probably going to see if we can push t- the two episodes before this out, like now, just so we can push... Uh, Pro Pokemon Snap propaganda ASAP. So, yeah. So, hopefully, you're listening to this not too long after we're recording it here. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, do you still want to do like a, you know, week by week Tuesday release after I'm this? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Because, oh. I, right. I'm, I'm torn between the idea of as soon as possible versus uh, scheduled, you know? Yeah. Also, another thing we talked about before. <laughs> Uh, but this is not pre-recorded. One of the things we talked about talked about before. Well, was, it is um, now. If you're, it, it well, is yeah, pre-recorded. Yeah. If you're listening to this on YouTube or Spotify, indeed, or Apple Podcast, whatever it's called, I wanted, iCast. I wanted to be more pedantic, but I couldn't think of a way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, damn it, that just derailed my train of thought. Fuck. Thanks for listening to us, you guys. Uh, so, oh no, that's what I was going to say. We talked right before this, uh, we, before we started about possibly streaming this on our YouTube channel, which, which is where we've been uploading the video portion of the podcast as well. If you guys watch later, um, we may just start streaming from that channel. We're going to, we just got to figure out, I guess, you know, the specifics of getting that done. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, I am, uh, Da- I am not Dash Retro. He is Dash Retro. He can be found at Dash Retro uh, TV. 
at, on Twitter. On Twitter and uh, Dash Retro on, uh, on, on Twitch, obviously. Uh, when are you live? Uh, I do Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, Central Time Evening. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And I uh, am Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when I'm streaming. I'm not streaming for the month of Ju- June, May. May. I'm not streaming for the month of May, uh, except for the podcast, obviously. But yeah. And then I'm on YouTube and TikTok and Twitter and everywhere else. And Victor's Knox everywhere. Anyway, go follow us both. Appreciate you listening. Um, see you all next time in episode 11. Peace.